Yeah, so some 80 plus years later, God is continuously doing what He's doing through our denomination. Some of the things we're going to talk about today will help you understand why we are part of a denomination. It'll also help us to understand that how God operates uh, in our church as well as the structure of it. Uh, because sometimes we can get turned away from a denomination. Some people will say, well, I don't want to be a part of organized religion. But at the same time, we do need to remember that there is the, a difference between organized religion and the belief of Jesus Christ that is organized. Because God is not a God of confusion. He does bring order. And so we do have certain things that we need to be accountable to, especially living here in America. There are certain laws that we're accountable to. So God is a God of order. The difference with a denomination, when you're part of a denomination, that you're going to see is there are certain denominations that will point you to a person other than Jesus, and there will be a bunch of regulations and laws and rules that you need to follow versus a denomination that is Christ first. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ is first and foremost. So the series that we're going through, Discover New Hope, has two parts. One is Discover New Hope as a church, as us being a church. And then secondly, discovering this new hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So the bulletin that you're given uh, are going to have some notes that you can take out, as well as I believe there's a membership uh, paper in there that you can fill out, and that will help you uh, to stay connected with us and us with you. And a part of this series is for some of you, you're wondering uh, where you're going to call your church home or you're looking for a home church. So this series is helping us to really kind of go through who we are as a church for you to decide, is this going to be my home church? Or if you're looking for another church and this is not your home church, then let us know. We'll be more than happy to help you find a church that you can belong to, a pastor that you can receive from, and a church that you can contribute to. So today we're going to be talking about New Hope and Beyond. And the reason why we're talking about New Hope and Beyond is because I want us to understand that our church is more than just this building, the structure, the property. It's about the people and the lives that God is using to touch the world. And beyond New Hope as a church, we are part of a denomination called Foursquare. And we also have a president of our denomination. His name is Dr. Glenn Burris. Some of you have heard him. He spoke before. And he actually wants to send a, a quick greeting to celebrate our 35 years. So let's just take a look at this quick greeting from Dr. Glenn Burris. Aloha, Love, New Hope, Hilo. What a great privilege it is for me to be able to greet you on this 35th anniversary of the church, celebrating God's work and the islands there, uh, along with what God's doing around the world through your efforts and partnership. We love having you as part of the Four Square family, Sheldon and Heidi. Greetings from Debbie and I. We're getting ready to take off here from Atlanta uh, to Portugal uh, to meet our national leaders over there. So have a great celebration. We love and appreciate you. Uh, blessings. Aloha. So he, he just wanted to say th thank you for what you're uh, doing here in Hawaii. And I'm so proud of us as a church, and not because of who we are as New Hope, but who we are as believers in Christ because this world is going to need hope, and this world needs the hope of Christ. So everything we focus on is focused on Jesus Christ. So if you're, if you're wondering, well, I, I want to be a part of a church, and uh, I'm, I'm still praying, is this going to be my home church? Uh, the question becomes, why should I have a home church? Well, the home church actually helps you in your walk with Jesus, because the, now you're, you're a part of a community of believers 
that will help with your growth, accountability, prayer, uh, encouragement. Uh, if you go from church to church, hard to do that because it's, it's hard to develop strong relationships that you can be accountable to as well as people to help in time of need. Uh, sometimes we feel alone. Uh, this is where the body of Christ comes together and God says, no, you should never be alone. In fact, God himself said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created male and female so that there would be companionship, so that there could be relationship with other human beings. And we can lose that in our society today, especially with social media. And uh, it's almost like we don't need to leave the house anymore because if we need to order something, we don't need to go shopping. We can order it online and we can become like hermit crabs and just stay within our own home. And God says, no, you got you to gotta get out there and, and be with people. And so for us, we don't just uh, serve here and, and have a church here, but we reach out to the rest of the world. And New Hope has always had the heart to reach out to people, and not just the people in our city, but people outside of our state and around the world, especially with Foursquare. We have a ministry in Foursquare called Foursquare Missions International. And so we have missionaries all around the world. And uh, we get to, again, proclaim the love of God through all nations so that they could come to know him as Lord and Savior. And so we are part of this larger picture when it comes to making an impact in this world. And this denomination that we're part of is called Foursquare. And so we're going to learn how we partner together with our denomination in reaching people. And the best way I can describe a denomination is like a family. So think of it this way. Families are known for different character qualities. If you just think about your family, there's a bunch of characters in your family. Now, it's good and not so good. I understand that. But there's a whole variety of personalities in our families. And so each person differs in individuality and their character, their personalities. They, de they develop all sorts of quirks, personalities, values, styles, and tastes. They develop what is meaningful to them, and then they bring that back to the family. It's, it's, it, it's what makes our family family, and they add beauty to the family. Some of your children are extroverts. They're, they're, they're wild, and they'll, they're, they have a lot of energy. And then you may have another child who's just, they can be by themselves. They're very quiet, and they're fine. But together, they add that value and beauty, beauty to the family. So the different flavors add to the family. But those traits are secondary to the family. That, that, that's, that's secondary to the primary beauty of the family. Just because one's personality is different than yours in the family doesn't mean they're not part of the family. It just means their style is different and their personality is different. So think of the family as historic, mere Christianity. Just think of Christianity, what all Christians at all places have always believed. The family is the supporting structure of the gospel. So that's how we look at it as a denomination. We love the family, and we don't stray from our families, but the family is enormous and filled with other individuals. So each person has its own category of traits, which is secondary issues that they cherish, but they don't cherish them more than the family. The family is the most important and more important than my style, my character quality, so the family is home. That's home base. And within that home, we have the freedom to admire, connect, and learn from each other with our various personalities 
and from what the other members of the family add and bring to the family and what they hold dear to their heart. So different traditions have beautiful expressions of faith that we can all learn from. If one group of Christians cherishes a secondary issue to the point that they, f- that they will find a different corner of the house and protect it, that doesn't give another group the right to try and kick them out of the house or accuse them of not caring about the preeminence of the gospel, the supremacy of the gospel, the importance of the gospel. The gospel is very, very important. So as a denomination called Foursquare, the gospel is primary. That's why Amy Simple McPherson, Sister Amy, she, she called it her gospel car. It was what she used to spread the gospel. So Foursquare as a denomination is secondary than that of Jesus Christ. It is not about Foursquare. It's not about Sister Amy. It's about Jesus Christ. The organizational part of it as a denomination helps us to stay in line with our state laws, our, our, our federal laws, and it helps us as a nonprofit organization to be accountable. Some churches will say, I don't need to be accountable. I'm accountable to God. Yet God himself says in the Bible, you need to submit yourself to the governing authorities. Because what happens is once we separate ourselves from people and we say, no, we, 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 don't, need to be like, we don't need to be a part of the governing laws of the land, then, the, then, then God would say, hang on, how do you reach them then? Okay, well, what about laws that are passed that are non-biblical? Well, when there are laws that are passed that are non-biblical, then, of course, we hold to the truths of God, and we stay to the truths of God. But majority of the laws that we have in our land is not necessarily non-biblical. It keeps our land in order. So we, we follow the Bible. This is, this is what we follow. And so we submit to governing authorities unless it's against the Bible. Now, there are laws that are passed that they will work with organizations, nonprofit organizations, even Bible-preaching churches, that the state laws will work together with churches because we're all in it for people. We want people to be not just safe, but people to have a great life. So we try our very best to work together. One thing I always remember is that whenever we have this thing called Christianity mentioned, there are a whole bunch of different views that will come out. For us, when we mention Christianity or a Christian, it really means a follower of Jesus, not a religion or an organized religion in the sense of uh, it's all about the do's and the don'ts. If you do this, then God will accept you. If you don't do this, then he won't. It's really about the love that we have for Jesus Christ, being a Christ follower. And so Christianity is a large family, and we have much to learn from our brothers and sisters, even the ones that are not like us. There are different denominations. You have assemblies of God. You have uh, the Presbyterians. You have Baptists. So you have other denominations, but we can learn from each other so long as we don't stray from the Bible. The Bible is the inerrant word of God. So this is truth, and we stay close to that. So with Foursquare, we're going to look at a couple things that will help us to understand that unity is not uniformity, that we don't conform to each other to show unity We conform to the image of Christ to show unity with the different flavors of character qualities that God gives to each individual in their personalities. And he gives us these different personalities because this whole world is filled with people with different personalities. So we we can have different personalities so that we can reach different people. And so Christ is our unity. 
And just because there are different denominations doesn't mean the church is not united. Jesus is what unites us, not us all being in the same place together, not all us worshiping together, or how come we don't do this like that church, or how come we're not partnering with that church. That's not unity. Unity is Christ. Christ is our unity. Will churches partner together? Absolutely. But just because they don't doesn't mean they're in disunity. If Christ is at the center of it, and we're the body of Christ, then the body of Christ is at best in unity when it functions how each member should function, the arm, the leg. It functions differently than each other, but part of the same body. And that's how the Bible likens us as a body of Christ, that we are all various members, but when we operate together and churches do their assignment in what they're supposed to do, that's the body of Christ at best in unity. So, When it comes to us in being New Hope as a church and beyond, God gave us this family to be a part of so that Christ is at the center of it, even though we all have differences. Sometimes we agree to disagree. That's part of our humanity. And we're still learning about Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and how we are to live in this world. So so long as we come back to Jesus Christ, that makes all the difference, that we're not people who say, well, I just disagree with you because I feel that way. It's just, you know, I'm still learning. I've got to learn some things. I've got to get back to the Bible. Yes, there are denominations that have differences, but those are secondary issues than the gospel itself. And if there are denominations that stray away from the gospel, now there's a bigger issue. But as far as Foursquare goes, everything points to Jesus Christ. So what is a denomination? Well, the definition of a denomination is that it is a recognized autonomous branch of the Christian church or a group or branch of any religion. Paul the Apostle, as he was speaking to the church in Corinth, he said it like this, for what I received in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this should be in your notes. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And here's, here's where he's laying the groundwork. He's saying, here is what is most important. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the Twelve, or Peter, the Apostle, and then to the Twelve. So the importance for us as a church belonging to a denomination called Foursquare is from this Scripture. It's first all about Jesus Christ dying for our sins, and then being buried, and then being raised from the grave. That's, our, that's, our, that's the, the heart behind us as a denomination. So everything else is biblically based and allows us to do, to do the works of Christ with accountability. So everything centers around the gospel of Jesus. I think a great way to think about biblical denominations is that none of us should ever think we know everything, that we can all learn continuously lest we swell up with pride and our heads become bigger than what it should be. So we need our brothers and sisters to learn from because we're all still learning about this relationship with God. That's why we always say it's a relationship, not a religion, because relationship is more important than the religion part of it. Religion is pretty much like man's attempt to appease God, to to reach God, to obtain that favor. That's, that's religion. We, we have the, the do's and don'ts so that we can have this uh, connection with God or so that we can draw near to Him. That's religion. But man can never do enough. 
to please God with all of our faults. So God says, I have a better way, not religion, relationship. Relationship is God's attempt to reach us. And he did that through Jesus Christ, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So God gave us his one and only son in relationship. If you're reading with us through our devotions, you know, we'll read the Bible. And right now, uh, some of you are in the book of Matthew. And you're going to hear a, a, a sentence that God speaks when Jesus was being baptized, as well as when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. And if you understand that, then you know that uh, Peter, James, and John, who were disciples of Jesus, were up on a mountain, and as they were praying, they saw Jesus, and he was transfigured in front of them. And he was, he was the Bible says he was brighter than the sun. This, his clothes was, uh, it was like shiny. And Peter said, Lord Jesus, we should build three tents because Elijah and Moses shows up. And so Peter is saying, this is a good thing. But then they hear the voice of God, and God says this, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says these words, listen to him. Now, that's the second time we hear that. The first time we hear the, that sentence, that this is my beloved son, is when Jesus was going to be baptized before he started his uh, ministry. When he got baptized, the Spirit of God came in the form of a dove. The Holy Spirit came, and then God spoke and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now, prior to that incident, if you trace back from what Jesus was doing, he didn't start ministry yet. He didn't even do anything. So for God to say, this is my son, I am well pleased, like, what are you pleased with? He didn't heal no one yet. He didn't start ministry. He didn't preach the gospel. What were you pleased with? He was pleased with the relationship that he had with his son. This relationship that he had, that's what God was pleased with because of that faith connection. And the Bible even tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it's all about this relationship with God. That's, that's what he wants. Some of us think, oh, God wants me to behave. He wants me to, he wants me to come clean. He wants me to, to get my life in order, and then he'll accept me. He says, no, 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 no. When you come to me first, then I'll take care of everything else because you don't have the strength or the energy or the wisdom to become the person I created you to be. But when you come to me, I'll bring that to you. So this relationship that we have with God is primary. It's, it is important. And so we, we're covered in this kind of way as a, as a denomination. Our denomination helps us to stay on track. If they see like a pastor going astray and a pastor not doing well or things like that, they'll come in and love the pastor towards health in various ways. There are times when, yes, a leader will fail. Uh, a pastor will do dumb things. Uh, a pastor will make mistakes because they're human beings. We're all human beings, and that's not an excuse. It's just the reality of it. And at the same time, what our denomination brings is that help along the way, to coach along the way, and it brings accountability, lest we stray from Jesus Christ. So with our denomination, it brings us that kind of accountability, uh, fellowship with each other. We, we also have a convention every year that we gather together so that we can build relationship with other uh, pastors and leaders uh, throughout the world. 
and then we can encourage each other. On the legal side, what Foursquare does is it gives us legal protection because we're in the laws of the land. So they provide legal protection. Uh, they also give us legal counsel. They'll also give us counseling and how we are to operate. There's a lot of laws that are changed that we need to know as a church. So Foursquare comes in and helps us to stay on track with all these things. So it's more than just us meeting on Sundays. We're part of a large family that is, is preaching the gospel around the world. And so we participate in the ministries, the global mission, and the, ministering tr- the ministry training by Foursquare. And part of why we do what we do, and at the base of it, is actually four elements. And, and Amy Simple McPherson talked about it a little bit. And I know the audio was a little bad uh, because that's, you know, from the 1920s. So uh, what I'm about to explain is what we believe in just the basics of us as a four-square denomination. And the first one is this. If you want to write some notes, we believe that Jesus is our Savior. And the Bible tells us that, that He is our Savior. I'm so glad that, that we have a Savior because we need rescuing. Isn't it true that we just have evil in us? We, it's, just, it's just in us. And so God brings us Jesus Christ as our Savior so that we can find our way back to the Father. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it was the angels who came. And in fact, this is the season. It's becoming Christmas season where Christ the Savior was born. And so the Bible tells us today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, Isaiah prophesies and he says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will, have mer- he will have mercy on them. And our God, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. So what God looks at is many of us, we feel guilty. You know when you do something, you just feel guilty? God says, listen, you come to me, and I'll, I'll forgive you your sins. And because of that forgiveness of sins, what that does is it gives us a heart of gratitude. Like we're celebrating Thanksgiving this week. We have a heart of gratitude. And with that heart of gratitude, that's where we get to say to God, you know, I'm going to do things different. I'm going to change my life for you. In Hebrews 7.25, the Bible tells us, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. In other words, Jesus jumps in on our behalf. We couldn't, we couldn't find enough in us to save ourselves. So Christ came in and he says, listen, I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to come in and I'm going to intercede for you. It's like when we were growing up, when you couldn't fight that other person and someone jumped in for you, you're kind of thankful that they saved you. Well, that's what Jesus did. He came in to save us and he did battle with the grave and the enemy and he overcame it and he overcame the enemy. So Jesus is our Savior. The second thing is that Jesus is our healer, that Jesus heals us. And if you've ever experienced healing from God, it was never about the healing itself. It was about the healer. It was actually drawing us closer to him, that in his hands, that's where we're we're healed. That's where we're, we're comforted. It's in his hands. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17 tells us that this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, that he took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. That's Jesus. There's nothing that Jesus went through that you and I won't experience also. 
And there's nothing that you will ever experience or go through that Jesus doesn't understand because he went through the same thing yet without sin. Every temptation that comes your way, he was tempted in the same way, yet he did not budge and did not sin. He stayed righteous because he knew that he needed to die for our sins. We just didn't have it in us. But it was in him. And when he went to the cross and paid the price for our sins, he brought that so that we could have healing. By his stripes we are healed, the Bible tells us. Matthew chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, when Jesus was healing, he said, which is, which is easier to say? And he was speaking to a paralytic. He said, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want, to show, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And this man did, and he was healed. Jesus is our healer. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, this is when the early church was being birthed and the, the, the church was uh, expanding. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus is the healer. And when the early church was being birthed and when they were kind of getting their their, uh, their their hearts right with God, they always had to come back to Jesus as the healer. It wasn't about the person. It wasn't about the apostles. It wasn't about them praying. It wasn't in them to bring healing. It was They were a conduit so that God could move in and through, but ultimately Jesus is the healer. And then also number three, that Jesus is our baptizer with the Holy Spirit. That word baptize actually is a word that means to be inundated with, that you're submerged that you're waterlogged, like you're soaked. It's almost like we come to God with, we're, we're just a dry life. And uh, like a sponge, you're just dry. Like if you ever try to use a, a sponge that is dry to clean your dishes, not going to happen. You have to baptize that sponge in water so that it can be useful. And so it is with God. He baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. That's His Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is in you, that's the power that God gives to us to overcome the things that we just can't do on our own. You know when we want to change as a person, as a husband, as a father, a mom, a wife, a son or daughter, whatever, whatever it is you're trying to do to change, not possible without the person of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the power that God gives to us so that we can make that change. Our flesh will always be our flesh. It doesn't get saved. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, now we're, we have access to a different power, a greater power. And that power is able to do what we just can't do on our own. And so stay connected to the Lord. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, that John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's the, here's the, the good news of God is that, you know when you try to do good things and then you do something good, you feel good about it. 
but then the next day you do something else, it's like, ah, I went backwards. Stay to the Holy Spirit, not to your good deed. Not to do good things to feel good, but to do good things because the Holy Spirit is moving through you. So that power that comes from God is from him. That's why the Bible tells us with man, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. So if you're trying to change your spouse, let the Holy Spirit do it. The Holy Spirit will do a much better job. Now, you can't force the Holy Spirit on your spouse, but you can pray for them. I've done this in the middle of the night. Just put my hand on Heidi's shoulder and pray for her. Not because I want her to change. I mean, that's a good benefit, but uh, I, I want her to become everything that God is making her to be. And so as a husband, when I pray for Heidi, it's not a selfish prayer of, Lord, please change her. I cannot take it anymore. You're driving me crazy. That's, that's just a desire of the heart. But if it's, Lord, make her the person you created her to be. I want to support who she's becoming in you. Help her. And then, Lord, help me with patience. Give me kindness. <laughs> help, me to, help me to see what you see. And I, because if we try to change one another, it's just not going to turn out how we would want it to be. But if God does it, it'll be way better, far greater than what we could ever possibly imagine. In John chapter 7, uh, 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. That's the greatest news. You know when you read the Old Testament, you'll see miracle after miracle that God would do great things. That Moses with, with the Lord parted the Red Sea. And imagine if you could do that. You, instead of walking over Coconut Island, the bridge, you'd part the, part the sea and, and bayfront. And everybody would be like, oh my goodness. How's that guy walking on? He's just walking. The, the ocean has parted. Now, that would be phenomenal. People could see that. And they could give glory to God. They could say, wow, that's, a, that's yeah, God is real. And then, uh, not only did they part the Red Sea, but they followed God by day with a cloud and by night with a pillar of fire. A pillar of fire, not a torch, not a small match or a little mag light. This is a pillar of fire. So this fire shot up from the ground to the skies, and that's what they followed. Now, they can visually see this. So I'm sure we're thinking today, no, if, if we could visually see fire like that, then we would believe in God. But with all that power, imagine this. That those guys back then would look forward to us today and say, wait a minute, are you telling me that power right there, all of that power, that resides in you? How can you not do what God has called you to do? How can you not become the person that God created you to be? He gave you all of that power to live in you. With us back here, it's exterior. With you in your day to day, you're baptized, inundated, filled with the Holy Spirit. So you have all the power needed. And we forget that. We have all the power we need through the person of the Holy Spirit. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit, inundated, filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, verse 4, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, some of you wonder, well, do we speak in tongues here? Now, tongues is a gift from God. And not everyone will speak in tongues. And the reason why we don't do it on a Sunday morning is because the Bible says that you're going to have some non-believers, some people that don't understand. 
And you would rather speak in a language that people can understand versus tongues where people can't understand, different languages that people can't understand. So if you have that gift, you exercise that gift, that's fine. And there may be sometimes that you use it in different settings, but because we're here and we, our heart is to reach people who are far from God, one relationship at a time, we'd rather speak words that people can understand. And in various settings, yeah, we'll do that. But the primary focus is how we can bring the Word of God in an understandable way. The Bible also tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And the Bible is letting us know that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That when they built the temple for God, it was a man-made temple built so that God could rest in it. God says, now the Spirit is going to live in not man-made temples now, but a temple that God has made. And so he says, take care of this temple. You take very good care of this temple. Because this is where the Holy Spirit resides. This is where the Spirit of God resides. It's in you. Some people will say, well, I, well, then if God is in me, why do I have to go to church? Why do I need to be at church? Isn't church wherever I go? No, you're wherever you go. Yeah, but am I not the church? You're a part of it, but singular, you're not the church. You're a part of the church. Some of you barbecue and, and you understand coals and charcoal. When the charcoal is together, you can cook nice, delicious steak, Portuguese sausage, oysters, steak. You can cook, you can cook on this, but you take the coals and you start separating them and they're no longer connected to each other, your fire will die out quickly. You take a coal and you put it way on the side. Oh, I'm, I'm charcoal. Yes, you are. I'm, so I don't need to be with the rest of the charcoal. You don't, you don't have to, but it is a privilege to, lest you die out, lest you never burn with fire anymore. You can look like charcoal, but if you're separate from the rest, you'll never accomplish your purpose. You'll stay unused. And that fire will slowly die out. But together, you stay connected, you can do great things. So that's why we say we've got to be a part of the body of Christ. Don't separate yourself. Because that's what the devil wants. He wants isolation. So when Jesus comes and he says, I am your healer, your savior, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, it's more to it than just a good thought. There's meaning to it. And then the last thing, and this one is really good, that Jesus is our soon-coming king. I know for some of us, we're like, Jesus, come back already. Just come back already. I mean, my goodness, there's so many bad things happening in our world. Just come back. But the Bible tells us he's waiting for people to come to know him. So keep reaching out to people so that people come to find Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. No one knows when Jesus is coming back. My grandpa, my great-grandpa, 
when we were growing up, when they would go to church, they would have a sign outside of their church that says, Jesus coming soon. And he always would tell my great-grandmother, he goes, every time we pass the, he's Filipino, every time you pass the sign, he says, Jesus coming soon, Jesus coming soon, Jesus, he's not coming back yet, how come he's taking long? And so some of us have this time frame that oh, he's going to come back this time. And, and you, have, you hear people say, oh, this is when the world is going to end. And you, you have all of that. And Jesus says, you're not going to know the day or the hour. Imagine if we did know the day or the hour. It would, we would be a different type of people. But he says, you're not going to know. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, tells us, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live with self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So up until then, the Bible tells us, no, you're going to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. You're going to live with self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while you wait. You do something with the time that you're given before Jesus comes back. Jesus reiterates in Matthew chapter 24, but about the day or that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. By the way, when the Bible says that no one knows, even, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, people will say, but I thought Jesus was God. How can he not know? But when Jesus came to this earth, he gave up his God right. Still all God, but all man. So he gave up his rights so that he could die for ours. So when it says that Jesus doesn't know, it's because he gave up that right when he became a human being in that form. So in those days, before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And if you know the story of Noah and the ark, that Noah brought all the animals, or God sent the animals, and uh, the flood came and started, we started a brand new uh, world. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore... Jesus says, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have let his house, and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And then in Luke chapter 12, it says, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Imagine when you come home from work and everyone's cleaning the house. <sighs> Feels so good. Imagine when you come home from camping. You don't have to say a single word. 
the kids start cleaning up, putting the coolers away, scrubbing things down. You don't have to say a single word. They, they vacuum every piece of sand or dirt or rock from your car. And then you go into the house. They, they clean up the house. They, like, it does something to you. And the Lord says, that's how I want it to be when I come back, that you're doing the works of the kingdom, that you keep your lamps burning. And so we take the, as the church, the whole church, not just us as a new hope, but all the churches, the whole church takes the whole gospel to the whole world. And when that takes place, Jesus says, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm your soon coming king. And when that day comes, of all the work we've put into advancing the kingdom of God, loving our neighbor, and reaching out to people who are far from God, showing people the love of God, it will all be worth it. As difficult as it may be on this life, God will say, imagine the, 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 the rewards you will receive in the later life because he's our soon coming king. This is new hope and beyond. It's not just what God does here. It's about what he's doing in eternity for all of our sakes. And I pray that we would continue to reach out to people. Amen. Can we do that? We serve a good God. You can close your Bibles and your notes. And I'm going to call up Glenn to the keyboard. And we're going to pray. And some of you are, are uh, you're, you're, you're wondering, Lord, am I, am I going to be a part of this church? You ask the Lord. And this series is helping us to do that. If you missed the last uh, two weeks, you can jump online or through our app, and then you can hear the other uh, parts of this series. And it will just go from beginning to end. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about some basic tools that God will give to us uh, to be a part of what he's doing. We're going to be talking about communion. We're going to receive communion next week. We're also going to be talking about the Bible and, and why, why is the Bible so important? What does the Bible do for us? So we'll receive some tools next week on, on how we can live out this life for God, and it'll be super helpful. Uh, this Wednesday, we have our worship night, and that's the series that we're ending on our worship night called Miracles. And uh, so we're inviting you to be there. I know some of you, you know, you bought those Miracle shirts, and it's in the fellowship hall. Of, and if you want to wear them during Wednesday night, or if you have them, wear them. Wear them. It's kind of like our uniform for that night. If you don't have a shirt, that's fine. It's not about the shirt. It's just a reminder for us that we are God's greatest miracle. And he took us from a, a life that was heading towards destruction. And then he saved us, healed us, filled us with his spirit and says, hang on because I will come back for you because he's our soon coming king. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Lord, thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for showing us that it is more than just attending church, Lord, that you've given us your power, your spirit. So I pray for our families, our marriages, our children, that they would, that they would see you, that they would call upon you as their Lord and Savior, that you would bring healing to our families, both physically and spiritually. Broken relationships, Lord, we pray for restoration. We pray for hearts, Lord, to be drawn closer to you. That we would be people who understand that this relationship with you is the most important relationship. And out of that relationship, every other relationship will thrive from. I know there's some here this morning, Lord, maybe they have never accepted you as Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and you're saying, I need Jesus as my Savior. I tried everything else. 
but I want him as my Savior. If that's you, would you just lift a hand real briefly, and we're going to pray together. You're saying, I, I want to give Jesus my heart. You feel a tug on your heart. You feel your spirit coming alive, and that's God drawing you near to himself, and he's doing that on purpose. He wants you close to him. Anybody else? You're saying yes to Jesus. Just lift a hand real briefly, and we'll pray together. You want to give Jesus your heart. It's an eternal decision. Okay. We could pray this prayer together. And if you've said this prayer a thousand times, it's such a reminder that God rescued us. Let's pray this together. You can repeat after me. Just add the heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Make me brand new so that I can become the person that you created me to be. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. And so I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen together. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. You know, for those of you who said yes to Jesus, congratulations. Best decision that you'll ever make. And if you did receive Jesus, we have some ushers at the back of our sanctuary. And just let them know I received Christ, and they'll give you a free gift. It's a Bible with some reading material that will help you with your walk with Christ. And then for us, keep loving Jesus. Just draw close to him and never forget that it's in him that we get to be filled. And so today, new day, brand new week. We start off fresh with the Lord. Amen. Why don't we stand this morning as we conclude with our final song. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being the body of Christ. And as we conclude, let this be a purposeful day. Live on purpose with God because of how good he is. God bless you guys. We'll see you Wednesday night. Have a great day.